You're listening to Backstage Pass with Alford Media. Your behind-the-scenes look inside event tech and what it takes to turn visions into reality. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Backstage Pass, brought to you by Alford Media. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. So on this episode, we're shedding light on one of the oft-forgotten aspects of large-scale business events, and that is lighting. Content-driven changes in marketing and exhibiting have put companies and organizers in that media mindset. People are trying to find creative ways to captivate with content and to blend it in with aesthetics, supporting video, and supporting sound. But just as engaging for audiences at conferences or trade shows is the lighting, both on the show floor and the keynote auditorium. So today we're getting into the technical and the creative behind trade show lighting with a 30-plus year industry veteran. We're chatting with Alford Media Director of Lighting Services, Blake Taylor. Blake, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing? Wow, I'm super excited to be here. You pretty much crushed that intro. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I, I like my intros. I feel like they're important to set the tone and the feel and what we're going to unpack and I'm really excited to be chatting with you today because being that you've been in the industry for so long, I think you've been able to develop your own creative eye to lighting. And much like we're going to explore soon, lighting is a science, but it's also an art. And as much as the technical is important, that creative eye changes from designer to designer. And so I think unpacking the vision of different veterans in the industry will kind of help um, get a better sense for where the industry should go and some tips and tricks, et cetera. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to it. So you joined Alford Media in 1999 and previously and kind of congruently had worked independently in lighting direction and programming, and now you've been in the industry 30 plus years. During that time span, how have you seen the approach to lighting design for business events change, both for better and for worse in any ways, um, you know, the positive and negative shifts? Well, I think what we talk about over the, those past years, really the tools have really changed the way we approach a lot of projects. You know, the, the basics behind it are still the same with any designer. And when we talk about that, really no two, two designers really ever approach a project in the same way. So when we talk, how, talk about how, we've cha- how things have changed, it's really been how the tools have been developed and have grown over, those, over that time period. The options that designers have had have, has changed, and really that's changing every single year. That's not yeah. something that stays stagnant. Do you think consumer expectations or um, the expectations of the people that are at these shows has pushed the industry in a direction um, that maybe is exciting but also was a little uncomfortable at first or, or just forced lighting designers to kind of refocus how they approach lighting design at all? Well, I think as the industry on a whole, not just in our side, but even in the concert side or in films, we're constantly, it's always being pushed by other arenas of entertainment. Yeah. So if you've gone to see your favorite entertainment in the weekend with, you know, with, your, with friends and you've seen a design, you know, and maybe it's a touring concert or something, um, I think those things really kind of open it up, you know, and everyone's kind of pushing it visually. So it's not just in our side of the, of the, uh, of the aspects of lighting. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd agree with you. I think in general, everything is going more and more visual. Um, especially with immersive LED displays. And I mean, yeah, when you think of a concert now, it's not just the guys on stage and some pyrotechnics. You've also typically got a giant LED wall behind them that's 
you know, got 3D animation, it's got camera shots of the crowd, zoom-ins on the people on stage. It's all about that giant large-scale visual. And so I think that's translating over to these business events, maybe not with as much spectacle, but I think in some cases, yes, as much spectacle. And the lighting has a big part to play in that, though I, I don't think it's often what the people in the audience notice the most off the top, um, which I guess makes it a hidden but very essential piece of the puzzle. It is. You know, we really want to complement the entire message of whatever that show is. So whatever that client's trying to convey to that audience, you know, it's our jobs to help kind of bring that message forward. So, you know, we don't ever want to be at the forefront, but at the same time, we do have a job to do. You know, certain aspects of lighting we need to take care of. You know, one, we need to make sure we're lighting that talent, you know, that we're complementing. Maybe that client has some special, you know, design graphics that we want to complement those colors and bring out that whole theme to the entire audience. And one, just to make that audience feel, you know, like they're involved in that particular production. Yeah, definitely. So to that note that business events are kind of adopting some of the same visual cues as like large scale um, sporting events or concerts, et cetera, what are you seeing business events specifically really need today, right? Like what is the creative push? What is the technical push behind a, uh, a solid and generally well-regarded business event? And how is that correlating over to lighting needs? Well, when we kind of talk about lighting in that, in that you know, aspect, a lot of clients don't really necessarily come approach a project with particular lighting needs. So really it's up to us to work with you know, the creative types, either a creative director or producers, and then really kind of develop what that project wants to feel and look like. So that's kind of what our jobs are. Um, you know, usually our in-clients don't really approach us with a lot of those kind of ideas. Maybe they have something they've seen in the past, maybe something that worked well, maybe something that they didn't, you know, something they saw either on the internet or saw something live visually, you know, and kind of add those things in. But it's our job to kind of develop the, develop the approach plan. So your clients are still needing to be educated on the specifics of creative lighting design. Do you think that's going to change anytime soon? Or do you think it's always going to be kind of this hidden aspect of live event design. You know, here's the thing is lighting so subjective and everybody approaches it differently. So people know what they like and they know what they don't like. So really with lighting, you know, everyone kind of uses it just a little bit differently. Yeah. So I think that will never change as we move forward. So no matter what kind of tools we're using or what, you know, what we're using, you know, equipment wise or even, you know, what designers work in our project, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to have an eye versus the person that may have lit the previous project. Right. right. And I think it's just interesting that I've heard from other um, AV professionals I've spoken to that they're seeing their clients in general just be more educated about what it is they're asking for. So they know either the technical specifics or they know how to communicate the creative vision a little better around the content or the visuals. Um, So it's interesting that that hasn't totally made its way over to lighting yet. Um, But I think it's just because it's a totally different beast. Um, You know, you don't consume creative lighting every day, you know, on Netflix or when you're browsing through content or when, you know, you are just seeing other people create content. It's, it is naturally, I think, like you said, a more subjective, but also a more hidden part of the process. So I guess it makes sense that clients aren't totally like coming to you with, I'd like X and Y, Z thing for my lighting because I want to communicate this vision where the spotlight hits here. It's like, that's just not part of, I don't know, layman's terms yet. Sure. But, you know, a lot of clients are always willing to say, hey, I saw this, you know, whether they've grabbed something off the Internet or maybe it's, you know, something that they saw on Netflix. You know, they're always willing to offer those suggestions like, hey, this is something that I that I really spoke to me, you know, as as, as a, you know, as someone on stage. 
Do you think there is more inspiration out there for lighting design that you're getting from clients? Like they're pulling from, like you said, content that they casually watch on Netflix or on television or that they see at a concert? Oh, no doubt. And clients, you know, too, will come and say, hey, what have you seen? What has worked well with some of your previous productions? You know, we're looking for something new. What do you have to offer? And that's really kind of where our job comes in and saying, you know, hey, this is something that we've done previously. This worked well. We can, you know, maybe take that, modify it to what you're trying to use it for. And sometimes that's some of the best approaches. All right. So we're going to continue to break this dichotomy down uh, in a little bit. But I want to get back on that point that lighting is equally a science and an art. It's kind of what you were saying. It's very subjective. Everyone has a different eye for it. So even if there are technical things that carry over between every design, every creative director is going to bring their own spin. So how has your creative approach specifically been shaped over the years? And what are some things that you think you do uniquely? Kind of a appear into the mind of Blake Taylor. Wow. You know, that's a, uh, we get lost in that, in that yeah. going there. Yeah. I'm ready. Let's do it. So really, when we talk about an approach, you know, as from the if I'm putting my designer hat on, you know, we want to look at the overall project, right? We want to see one, what are we trying to the goals that clients trying to accomplish, because all these projects are different, whether it's a big pharmaceutical launch, maybe we're unveiling a new vehicle, all of them have different interests and a different at the end of the day, there's a different star on stage. Maybe it's a CEO of a fortune 500 company, but maybe it's a piece of software, you know, so we want to look at what we're trying to accomplish with our design. And then look at the space we have to work with. Yeah. Also, you know, what are the elements around? You know, because for us, really, we can light anything, whether, you know, it's a boring convention center wall. You know, maybe it's a fully designed set that's been fabricated by a scenic company. So really want to take all those elements in and see, first of all, you know, what do we have to work with? What, where are we going to paint? You know, because at the end, you know, really, we're painters. Yeah. And everything in any given space is our canvas. I love that. What does your canvas typically look like? How do you paint on your canvas? Well, you know, I want as many tools or paintbrushes, as you will, yeah. as possible in, in, my, uh, in my toolbox. And I don't think that's really different for any designer because really we want maximum flexibility. Uh, we want to be creative as fast as possible. So whether that's in the, in the pre-design phase or once we're on show site, we want to be able to offer as many different looks and variations to that client as possible. You know, one way to really achieve that is, is to have as many tools as you can mm-hmm. on hand. Do you have a methodology behind engaging the client or engaging just the event goer uh, with your lighting? You know, I, I guess, do you have a personal way of how you approach getting lighting to engage the audience uh, in an active way? Well, when you, that, when you use that word active, the one thing I would say is, you know, there's times when you want motion in your designs sure. and there's times where you don't. Right. And I think that's always key, especially for young guys coming up in this industry. It's not all like exactly Gotham City lights flying everywhere. You got to yeah. find your moments, right? You got to <laughs> right. make sure that it fits what part of the show you're in. So, you know, obviously if you were working in, uh, you know, on Broadway, you know, there's something that you would be constantly, you know, what, you know, what is the music doing? You know, was there, is, you know, is there a particular scene that's happening? No different really in our side of the industry. We just have to make sure that it complements exactly where, where we are in the show. So continuing with this artistic conversation, I think both the gift and the challenge of this work is that, like you said, it's so subjective. So the viewer's experience of the lighting and how it impacts their show experience is extremely personal. You know, you kind of have to keep in mind everyone's going to view it differently. Everyone's going to kind of soak in that experience differently. And so it's 
it's balancing crafting an experience that will more or less convey the same way to everyone so you can try to craft a a good experience for everyone, right? So that it's not so subjective that some people hate it, some people love it, but you still want people to relate to it personally somehow. You know, I mean, that's kind of a really deep way to approach it, but I think people uh, like taking away their own personal experience from events like these. So how do you keep that in mind as you work on lighting designs for these large-scale business events where the experience isn't necessarily set up to be that personal? Like let's say you're in a giant auditorium or a giant convention center, but the lighting is meant to convey a personal experience to each person. Well, the one thing I'll say about that is is any designer wants to put themselves in the seat of the audience. So we want to visually look at our designs from the perspective of that person in the audience, right? So when we talk about live shows, we want to make sure that, um, you know, that we're seeing it through their eyes, you know, and obviously picking out. And one thing, too, that I find super helpful is, is to walk around any particular venue sure. and look at it from different, uh, different perspectives. Obviously, once we get into cameras, that's a whole other thing. But just from the live experience, I think it's key to be able to walk around and see what your audience sees. And, you know, and find out, hey, what is the most impactful for this particular part of the show? Mm. So give me an example of a recent event or one that just really sticks out to you where you did follow that process of kind of getting out into the seats, trying to really feel what would this look like and feel like if I was sitting here and engaging with this keynote speaker, you know, something like that. It doesn't have to be a keynote speaker, but regardless. You know, the one thing, too, is, you know, sometimes you'll write looks and you'll say, oh, man, this is this has got to be the best look I've ever written. Like this visually just like talks to me. You take a walk around, you go, gosh, that did not look as good as it did from where I was sitting earlier. (laughs) So and you just have to be able to pivot. Right. So we have to be flexible and say, you know what, let's make a few changes here and come up with something with with something that's a better product. You know, the one thing I'll say is about this is when we look at like a show that maybe didn't work as quite as well is anytime we involve, you know, dancers or maybe there's some production elements in the show you know when we see those moves happen and maybe a, you know maybe there's a particular moment you know when a dancer's being revealed i know in the past you know you see something and you're like oh yeah this is a perfect moment for this cue i've got something that you know that i think that will fit this moment it's going to be you know it's going to be exactly what we're looking for once you ride it and once you go into rehearsals and you begin to see the timing you know one when the music's involved and then the dan- you know maybe the choreography changes a little bit mm-hmm. At that time, you say, you know what, this is not exactly, I need to go back to the drawing board on this because I know this could be improved and I know that it could be more visually interesting. And so that's kind of the things that you have to be able to do to make those changes. So with lighting, I think you've got two main distinctions. You've got your static lighting and kind of like your, your mood lighting that's meant to just generally light the space. And then you've got your more excited kind of motion-driven lighting, like the spotlights, like even like color-changing lights, anything that's supposed to help convey action or help convey a change in tone or mood or, you know, a, a grand presentation, something like that. How do you use color and motion and just general atmosphere to help convey certain emotions to get the audience engaged? How do you approach, you know, using those tools at your disposal um, to get them engaged on those visceral levels. So something I also learned early on in my career was just because a light can move doesn't necessarily mean it needs to. Sure. And I think that's really important as we, any, any production, whatever we're working on. Um, but when we talk about looking at those particular elements of a show, 
and let's say there's a part where the energy needs to be increased in that show, maybe that's when we begin to implement motion, whether that's moving fixtures, maybe it's kinetic lighting that, you know, that's going to make a, a transition. We see this a lot, you know, executives coming on stage, maybe it's a car coming out for its, you know, brand new model year reveal. But we look at those moments of, hey, this is a part where we need to increase energy. This is where I want the audience to feel involved in the show. You know, this is that that part. This is that part of the show that we want to have more engagement. So, really, when we look at those tools um, across the board, it's like which of these are going to be the most effective. Yeah. So, as we're programming, as we're working through a show flow, um, those are the things that we want to kind of look at. You know, and, and really, a lot of that stuff is you know predefined in our scripts as we go through before we even begin to actually turn the fixtures on, you know, and, and writing those looks as we begin to develop, hey, this is where this needs to happen. This is a perfect opportunity for this. Um, and the one thing, too, is sometimes we want to hold back a little bit, right? So maybe the show doesn't come out with guns blazing, right? And we reveal all of our tricks at the beginning. We want to save some of those visual, you know, some of those special visuals right. for later on in a particular production. Right. And I also think it shouldn't be understated how much color theory can like play into how people perceive an announcement you know if you've got red dramatic lighting behind someone before they give their big announcement it might convey differently than if you have a softer blue purple kind of lighting in the background does that influence your point of view as you uh, design different shows it does absolutely so you know when we kind of you know talk about the entire project you know maybe there's a particular point where we're talking more about a branded object maybe you know whether it's a new computer or whatever that is and maybe that company has a particular color palette they want to use so that's where that would come into play but then maybe there's a point in the show where we want to increase that excitement we want to raise those levels so we're going to use those brighter warm colors maybe you know or you know maybe it's not even so much even the color maybe it's how the lights are moving maybe it's a you know there's a music track that we're developing those lights to and that when we begin to program you know, we're complementing whatever whatever that is, you know. Right. So another point I want to touch on briefly, um, you know, for example, I'm going to Interdrone, uh, which is an international drone conference in Las Vegas here tomorrow, actually. When this airs, I will have already been at Interdrone, but regardless. Um, we are going to be doing a live broadcast at the top of every hour, doing interviews, um, with interdrone thought leaders. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But what we're having to think about now is lighting the camera. Um, whereas before we could just kind of light the general area so it looks nice for people that are coming and sitting down with us to do live radio. We're now doing live broadcasting at this event. So it brings up a whole different uh, mentality and something that we have to think about a lot here at Market Scale. And I know that that is impacting lighting design on an even larger scale because, you know, if you think (laughs) doing a live broadcast from one booth at a trade show is a lot, imagine doing the webcast of the keynote from a CES or uh, an Infocom, let's say, right? Not only is the network infrastructure huge for that, um, but the lighting has to be not only appealing to the people sitting there, who want that live experience, but also for the people at home that are not getting the live experience. They want to be integrated. They want to feel the same effects that you're trying to communicate, but it still needs to be crisp and clear, not overblown. So how have y'all tried to balance lighting the camera versus lighting for the audience? And what's your approach to try to bridge that gap? 
So really, the approach would be is we're really lighting for two distinct audiences now. So we have that live audience that you kind of described, but we also have all those all the audiences out there looking at all those little windows. So when we talk about windows, you know, that could be anything from someone's phone all the way up into maybe a large screen, you know, in another remote location. Mm-hmm. So we really want to talk about, uh, you know, how do we work together with our video directors? Because we want to compose those shots. We want to make them visually interesting. Yeah. You know, you can only so, show so much you know, in any given shot. So when we talk about we want to compose those shots so that there's a nice contrast, you know, that we're lighting the talent appropriately. You know, the one thing that's not going to change is the quality of video that's being pushed out there. Um, It used to be where, you know, something was getting pushed to the internet, you know, like, oh, boy, it's kind of grainy. You can't really make, make out much there. The detail is low. And those things are changing now. So we have to be on our game to make sure that those exposures are correct and that the color temperatures are on point. And, you know, that the background, you know, has that, you know, has that whatever the talent is stands out. So all those are critical elements as we talk about, you know, lighting those windows. Do you find yourself collaborating with the creative directors about the general layout of the stage or, uh, you know, wherever the event is being filmed so that the, the aesthetic and the general, like, placing of people shifts so that it can match the lighting for video as well as the lighting for the in-house audience? Is that a more focused point of collaboration between you and other creative directors working on that project? Yeah, and I wouldn't exclude it just to the creative director. I think the video director comes into play, you know, so all, you know, basically it's it's everyone's working together to create that picture, you know, so we're only doing one part of it. We still need those cameras to be in a certain location. We need to make sure that we're, you know, we're all aware of, hey, this is where the shots are going to come and this is what we want them to look like. All right, so let's pivot over to some of the technology changes that you've seen uh, during your long career. Has the infrastructure for programming and managing these light shows changed much in recent years? And if so, how so? Well, I'd probably say it changes like every 10 minutes. So if you want to consider that quickly, yes. Um, Yeah, really over the course of all those years, you know, we were primarily incandescent. You know, as as the moving lights were moved into, were phased in out of rock and roll, that gave us another element that we could add to our shows. Um, the, the fixtures themselves have changed drastically. You know, obviously with the incandescent moving into the arc sources, now we've moved into LED. So really, our designers are no longer having to sacrifice output for efficiencies, right? So when we look at shows now, it's, you know, shows that maybe we're using 400, 600, 800 amps on any particular show, you know, we can do some of those shows for less than 200 amps. And, you know, bringing those power, bringing the power loads down, you know, really does equate to savings for whoever our client is. Um, but we're not, we don't have to sacrifice flexibility and color. None of those things are happening. So I think that's really key. Are there any softwares that have helped um, the actual programming and presentation process improve that you are a big fan of that you would vouch for? Sure. I mean, there's tons of products out there, and it really kind of comes down to every designer's preference. Yeah. So depending on what software they're comfortable with, what platform they're working on, yes and yes, right? So there's always, you know, ways to create, you know, those pre-visualization, you know, renderings, uh, even down to pre-programming a show. Maybe you don't have enough as, enough time on show site to get a lot of those cues knocked in, so maybe you want to do it offline. And to be honest, there are so many out there, it's hard to just really pick one and say, hey, this is the preference across the board for everyone. Which ones do you use that you like? 
So really with us, you know, since we're a grand MA house, you know, we really use a lot of the MA, th- uh, you know, MA software to uh, their pre-visualization because it's built into the desk. Nice. So it's super easy and flexible. Um, but, you know, whether it's WYSIWYG or CAST or any of those other ones out there, you know, it's really every designer kind of you know, has their own preference. So you mentioned the savings that can come from going LED versus incandescent. Uh, are you seeing most clients just kind of pocket that saved money or are they typically seeing, oh, wow, we're going LED, this is saving us money, let's invest in more lights. You know, do they typically fund it back into the lighting project and you end up seeing larger scale uh, events? Well, I mean, that's what we would always hope for. Right, right. But at the end of the day, how, however a client wants to spend those savings, mm-hmm. you know, is not really, you know, super important for us. Right. It's the fact that we were able to create those savings for them. And then just in general, um, are you still seeing a mixture of LED and incandescent in these events? Or has the industry fully embraced LED for everything from high power spotlights to trim lighting, all that good stuff. You know, you know, um, with the incandescents, you know, there's so few and far in between, you know, really the time we see them now is when they're kind of a creative practical. So whether that's a big open source fixture upstage, you know, something with an antique globe, but that's really about the only time we're still seeing that, you know, that type of fixture anymore. So you're not really having to worry about them? Not too much, you know, not really, you know, there's always going to be a particular size, you know, maybe a scaled show, you know, that needs to have that on a price point. Sure. Maybe they can't afford some of the more expensive LED fixtures, and that's still an option out there. It hasn't gone away completely. It's not like we've, you know, all those fixtures have been destroyed. Right. So they're still there, and it's, they're still a viable option. It is just, you know, when we talk about uh, what's available for any particular project, obviously everyone's going to want to gravitate towards, you know, what's the newest product, what's the most efficient, what gives me the most option. Right. And I mean, I guess you'd think LED in general would win out not only for the increased power that you get from LED, but like you said, the energy savings. When do you see clients still lean toward incandescent? And, you know, in what situations do they like that feel or look over an LED feel and look? I think it comes back to, you know, the one thing about incandescents are they they still convey that warmth. You know, and even though newer technologies today try to emulate it, you know, but that filament, that glow, you know, and the curves that you can get, especially at low levels, it's really hard to sometimes get some of the newer technology to kind of create that same look. So I think that's really when it, when it kind of still has a great... That rustic aesthetic, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. You get that super, super warm ambers and... I'm thinking like wood grain feel, sure. like the whole, sure. <laughs> the whole combo. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. All right, so to kind of wrap things up, um, of everything that we've mentioned... What would you say is giving lighting designers the most trouble for business events? You know, of is it is it new technology? Is it the way consumers are approaching these events? Of all of that, what is the biggest hurdle lighting designers are having to overcome today? I think right now one of our biggest hurdles really would be the competition in airspace. So you know, now with more and more LED wall product being hung. Uh, maybe there's more audio involved if they're doing 3D sound. You know, there's a lot more things being suspended, right, on any particular project. So we're all kind of competing about, hey, I would like to have, you know, this line of trust and these fixtures here. But oh, wait a second, I forgot there's some moving LED walls need to fly in. Or maybe there's something that's outside of our realm of design. So that's something that we're always having to work. And that's also where that flexibility comes in is like, you know, how can we work together with other departments you know, to still make a visually exciting show, but they're still getting what they need to get accomplished done. Right. And then what's your advice to overcome some of those hurdles of airspace? 
uh, communication all yeah. the time. Like, so you really want to be communicating with the audio guys, the video guys, maybe your creative director, producer, you know, and as early as possible, right? So that you don't get those kind of surprises, you know, late in a project. And I guess that's where Alford Access comes uh, comes into play. It's definitely one of those helpful tools for sure. Yeah, love it. All right, well, Blake, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Backstage Pass. It really was a pleasure getting to unpack your personal creative view on not only the artistic side of lighting, but also the technical side and the strategic side and everything that goes into making a successfully lighted live event. Um, Like you said, we are really seeing that confluence of video, of content. I mean, you're seeing it in how these events are being distributed with webcasts and live broadcasts, as well as um, how people are actually setting up the events. So with large video walls and with engaging content mid-conversation and mid-presentation. And all of that is influencing how the lighting interacts with these events. So it's cool to see your perspective on this. And I'm excited to hopefully get you back on as Alford breaks into some new territory, maybe brings in some new technology or tries some new exciting projects. Um, and we'll have, to, we'll have to continue getting into the mind of Blake Taylor. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of Backstage Pass. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to alfordmedia.com. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time. Mm